You're listening to the Rugged Legacy Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Putnam. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the first Q&A episode of the Rugged Legacy Podcast. Every week, I'm going to be posting on Twitter. You can follow me there, at Rugged underscore Legacy. Uh, A call out for questions that I will answer here on the podcast every other week, uh, depending on the volume of questions I get to kind of fill in some of the answers and gaps that people may have about what it is I do, my point of view on things. Uh, and this is the first one. I'll go ahead and apologize in advance to you guys. If you hear any background noise, it is a balmy 35 degrees and I've decided to record this episode on my patio underneath a tree full of birds. So I don't live in an aviary and I'm not broadcasting from the zoo. (laughs) I'm just uh, talking to you guys from the comfort of my patio with a cup of hot black coffee and a pipe. So we'll go ahead and get into it. Uh, I got a lot of questions actually between my direct messages and the Twitter thread and Since I already mentioned it once that I'm out here on the patio with my coffee, one of the questions was, uh, what type of thermos do I use for my coffee? To answer that honestly, I don't know. Uh, It's stainless steel with a rubber bottom, and it keeps my coffee hot. And so I'm not going to be too particular about anything as long as it does the job. You're not going to find me rolling down the street with a Yeti cooler strapped to the top of my car. (laughs) I'm not... I'm not that guy. Uh, As long as the coffee's hot, the coffee's black, that's pretty much all I care about. Um, Quick plug for Ground Shark Coffee, the best black coffee, groundsharkcoffee.com. I got you, Nick. Uh, uh, Some of the other questions that I got, let's see here. Um, How did you get into making men's products? Uh, It's actually a two-parter, and did I have prior knowledge? Well... I've always grown a beard. Uh, I've always kept my hair kind of on the longer side. And I spent a lot of time going to these big box stores and trying to find products that worked, but also at the same time didn't make me feel like a 14-year-old boy on prom night. And so while I was trying to figure out what kind of business I wanted to start, I decided something I I enjoy and something that could possibly... uh, be lucrative for other guys who happen to have the same problem I have, you know, cause nowadays, every time you turn around, you go to a store, you see products on there that have all these claims, but then you look on the back and you see that they're laden with all kinds of chemicals or they just smell girly. And so I wanted to do something about that. Uh, for the second part of the question, no, I didn't have any prior knowledge. Uh, YouTube and Google are pretty much godsends when it comes to anything you want to do. I just started looking up, you know, recipes on how to make my own things like pomades and beard bombs, mustache waxes. I saw a really cool concept for solid cologne. So I Googled that and started experimenting with recipes with different, uh, essential oils for scent, different, uh, recipes for the thickness and the density of it. What could I do to make, uh, alterations to how well it holds things like that. Um, it was a whole lot of 
touch and go for when uh, I got started. It was touch and go heroes. Experiment with this, experiment with that, see what works, see what didn't, and just go through the process of elimination. Um, but I hope that answers your question. This one was a bit of a hard one. Uh, it's from it's from a guy on Twitter. He said, "What is manhood, and when did you become a man?" Well, that, I think manhood means something different to everyone. While it can still hold a baseline meaning, uh, one of the things that I've always believed is that a man will create or produce more than he consumes. I think consuming is a boy's behavior or a female's behavior. You know, men were put on this earth to build and create. And I think that's what we do best. Um, so I guess manhood is when you reach a phase in your life as a member of the male species, because whether you like it or not, you have to be a male to be a man. Testicles are a prerequisite. But when you are producing and creating more than you consume, I believe that's an important part of uh, manhood, an important uh, ingredient and the amalgam that is manhood. Um, you know, yeah, there are stages of manhood, I suppose. You know, I saw recently someone had said that you don't become a man until your father dies, or at least fully become a man until your father dies. Or, and I guess that can be nuanced in a way to where you, maybe if your father's no longer a part of your life and you're fully self-reliant, self-sufficient and you can hold your own against anything the world throws at you. Um, I don't think that there is much of a difference between a boy and a man when it comes to a simple age thing. Because I know plenty of people that are my age in their mid-30s that are still pretty much boys. They lack responsibility and uh, accountability. I think it was, uh, I think it was when my father died when I was young that I felt that I needed to step up and take on the role of the father as the oldest. And in doing that, I saw that there was a lot of things that I was going to need to learn. There was a lot of things that I was going to have to figure out on my own because I didn't have someone to teach me. Um, yeah, it's a very it's a very difficult question for me to answer, but ultimately, to me, manhood is when a boy throws away the things that made him a child when he finally stands up on his own two feet 
and decides to contribute to society in a productive manner when he gives more than he takes. Because right now we've reached this stage in our society where people are all about receiving and it falls to strong men and masculine men to be the ones to be the ones that sacrifice and provide and they give protection and they give leadership to those that need it. That's that's really the best way that I can answer that question. It's very hard to break it down into something very specific. Uh, you know, cultures have different meanings of what manhood is. You know, and right now we we don't have uh, transitions into manhood the way that we did traditionally over the past few centuries. You know, it seems like adolescence has been prolonged. You know, if you look at some of these cultural differences between some tribes in Africa or the Native Americans or um, some of the ancient societies, they had rites of passage that marked the transition for a boy into manhood. You know, it wasn't something that, well, you're 18 now, so now you're a man or, oh, you, you got your license now you're a man, or you graduated high school, now you're a man. You know, becoming a man is not just a matter of turning a certain age. To me, I think it's more of becoming and earning the title of man. And the only way to do that is when you start you start transitioning between a taker and a giver. Because as a man, a lot of is expected of us. You know, our wives, our children, our societies, they, they expect us to give our time and our strength to expedite the advancement of those things. You know, it's... When shit hits the fan, people turn to us, and we have to be willing to give. I don't know. It's it's a very difficult question to ask, and I mulled this question over looking at it a few times, trying to decide how I was going to answer it, but I felt it was better if I just kind of spoke, you know, a little more raw and off the cuff with it. I didn't want it to sound like it was something too well thought out. The next question, uh, we'll go ahead and move on here. The next question was, what's your why? Rather, why you, what made you take the leap to get where you are now? And I'm assuming, uh, this is in regards to what made me take the leap to Start Rugged Legacy, the podcast, the business, the blog, the email list. 
and really it was, I got tired of things being the same. You know, for many years, I was completely satisfied to just sit there, work 40 hours a week. Oh, now I got to work 60 hours a week. Oh, now I got to work 40 hours a week. Just on repeat, you know, working for a nine to five. I was content to do that. And then 30 years later, get a 401k and retire to some mediocre existence. But just one day, man, I got the idea and I said, you know what? I'm going to do this because I want something different. I don't want it to be something that I'm going to regret not doing. And I think that happens a lot with people. I think they have an idea, but they're also content to stay where they are and maybe where they are is comfortable, but it's not where they want, but the fear of failure or the, maybe the pain of staying the same to them doesn't outweigh the pain of possible regret for the future. But I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be one of those that looks back and said, man, I wish I'd have done that, man. I wish I would have tried. I didn't want my life to be a series of paychecks and you know, tired evenings sitting on the couch, you know, waiting to have a few days off on the weekend and then start the cycle back over on Monday. I didn't want that anymore. You know, I, ne- I never thought it was possible for me to get out of that, but I was just willing to try. And as far as my why, why not? You know, I don't think a lot of people ask that question enough. I don't think people ask why not enough. I think they always say things like, why should I try? Why should I give this a shot? Why should I start a business? Why should I start a blog? Why should I write a book? Well, why not? You know, the why not seems to be a a harder thing to answer than the why. You know, at least in a justifiable manner. Well, why not try to start a business? The worst thing that can happen is I fail. And if I mitigate all the downsides and try it and it does fail, then I'll have learned something. But not trying is just going to leave me sitting there on repeat, living this mundane, mediocre, uneventful life for the rest of my life. And that's just not something I'm satisfied with. It's not something I'm, I'm willing to do. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to live a quiet life. I want to live a life that I'm proud of and live a life that meant something that wasn't just working for someone else, punching a time clock on repeat over and over and over. So I think that that had a lot to do with it. I hope that answers your question. Um, Going through these questions here. Let's see what else is there. There is, was there ever a point when you started your business that you thought you'd fail? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Honestly, 
every single day, every single minute, I always think there's a possibility of it failing. But, you know, like I just said, so what if I do? You know, if I fail, then okay. It doesn't really mean anything other than I failed. I can try something else, do something different, or try again the same thing in a different way. Uh, but yeah, failure is always an option. But I think that not stopping just because failure is an option is an integral part of being an entrepreneur. You know, I, I mean, shit, think about where we would be if Alexander Graham Bell didn't think that, you know, his invention would work. You know, yeah, I know there's the whole, well, Marconi actually did it. Yeah, I know. But, <laughs> but let, I mean, you know, the, the guy who invented the car, where would we be if he thought, well, this will never work, so I'm not going to try? Would somebody else have done it and then it worked? Imagine how it would have felt for the first guy. So, yeah, I think about, you know, I might fail. It might not work out. But if it does, so what? You know, I used to be afraid of failing, and now failing is just an opportunity to learn what not to do. What was it? Thomas Jefferson said, I didn't learn one way to make a light bulb. I learned 200 ways to not make a light bulb. It's all about your perspective. But yeah, I, I think about failing all the time. And I think in doing that, it keeps my head level. I think it keeps me from thinking I'm invincible. Because I know I'm not. I know my business isn't untouchable. I know that my blog isn't untouchable. I know that, you know, somebody might just not like what I do. And that's okay. I'll do something else. But yeah, to answer your question, if there was ever a point when I started my business uh, that I thought I'd fail, it's absolutely, and it's every single day. I think I might. But I also think it might rain. I'm not going to walk around with an umbrella. If I need one, I'll go get one. What else we got here? Any way to get a fuller beard, or am I follically screwed? Well, if you can grow one, grow one. If you can't grow one, don't. Not everybody can grow a beard. It's completely genetic. I hate seeing these products out there that claim to, well, if you take this pill, you'll grow a beard. If you rub this magic stuff on your face, you'll grow a beard, or if... Uh, you pray to the beard gods three times a day. You'll grow a beard by morning. You'll either grow one or you won't. Um, embrace what you do have. It's not a beard that makes a man anyway. You know, it's just not the clothes. You know, the clothes don't make the man any more than the beard makes the man. You know, it's not what he drives. It's not how much money he makes. It's the content of his character. But uh, if you can't grow one, man, I'm sorry to tell you, then you're just not going to be able to grow one. Uh, next up question here. Uh, do your children ever question your pipe smoking and how do I respond? You know, I've actually never gotten that one before. Um, yeah, I smoke a pipe. I'm smoking a pipe now. 
Uh, no, my children have never really asked anything about it. Uh, you know, they have the, uh, what is it? Red ribbon week and dare and all these other things at school they talk about. And of course my wife and I will talk to them about the dangers of drugs and alcohol and tobacco. And but we're, we also try not to, uh, demonize everything. You know, a lot of people may disagree with this, but I, I don't demonize marijuana to my kids. I go, yes, it's illegal in a lot of places. Yeah. It's legal in some States. Uh, and if you want to do it when you're old enough and you're in a place where it's legal, then you're going to do it. No, you know, do it responsibly. Don't, don't blaze up a, a blunt and then go driving, but I'm not going to try to demonize everything to, you know, completely scare them. People are going to have to make up their own choices. And it's the same thing when it comes to smoking or alcohol. Um, if they're going to do it, they're going to do it. Give them the facts, not the, the propaganda from either side being pro or anti anything. Just give them what the facts are. Do I drink? Yeah, I drink. I like sitting here on my patio with a fire pit and drinking a glass of whiskey. Do I recommend drinking an entire bottle of whiskey and getting behind the wheel of a car? Hell no. You know, there's going to be nuance and variance to everything. Uh, but no, they've never really asked me about it. And I think that's why, um, when we've talked to them about smoking in general, uh, I used to smoke cigarettes. Uh, I mean, if, what is it? I think it's now 21. I was going to say if you're 18, but you know, if you're of legal age to buy cigarettes, and you want to buy cigarettes. Is it the healthiest option? No. But if you want to, go for it. Uh, you know, I'm not going to demonize and uh, kind of like what we used to see when we were kids with marijuana being the devil's lettuce. And if you smoke marijuana, you're going to die painfully in a meteor strike or something. Yeah. I, I try not to use scare tactics on my children. I give them all of the information that I could possibly give them after verifying that information is correct. And then I let them make their own decisions. Uh, or am I going to let them choose to drink before they're old enough? No, I'm not going to do that. But I try to encourage decision-making and independent thinking in my children. I don't want them to just be soundboards of, well, my dad said smoking's evil or, so I should never smoke or eat or the opposite. My dad said pipe smoke and makes me a man. So I have to smoke a pipe. No, you know, I enjoy smoking a pipe, but if they want to, or don't want to, when they're old enough, that's fine. It's on them. But I've never really had, you know, any kind of questions from my kids. Cause my wife and I, we don't particularly partake in really any kind of vices as it were outside of me smoking a pipe in front of the kids, you know, like, you know, I've got whiskey in the house, but it's usually comes out. And after all the kids in bed, were eating some steak or, you know, wife and I relaxing on the porch together with a fire. So our kids haven't really been exposed to people with uncontrollable vices. So I think that kind of uh, answers your question there. Uh <laughs> These are good questions here. Um, who's your favorite Ninja Turtle? <laughs> Raphael, because he was a badass, is a badass. Anybody that thinks Leonardo is the leader of the Ninja Turtles is wrong. And you're probably a communist. 
just going to leave that there. Take it how you will. <laughs> um, do you prefer trucks or motorcycles? Definitely motorcycles. Uh, very first motorcycle I ever had, I rode that thing. Summer, rain, winter, snow, <laughs> hot, didn't matter. I love that thing. It's uh, oh, there's something about that feeling of freedom going down the road at 80 miles an hour, knowing that at any moment, one little thing in the road could just take you out. You know, it's a hell of a lot more dangerous than a car. But, yeah, definitely motorcycles. Cars feel like cages. And, yeah, I drive a car. I drive a Nissan. But, you know, I've got car seats in that thing. And I'm working on getting another bike now. I got rid of the bike I had, my last bike, a few years ago. But motorcycles over anything with walls and windows and doors, man. You got to feel that freedom. And, uh, I'm going to keep this one short. So I've got about five minutes left. I'll try to get through some of these other questions here. What's well, a good one here? What's your process for coming up with the various scents of your products? Well, I try to think of things that uh, inspire me. You know, something that's made me feel something, uh, like on a deeper kind of level. You know, let's take the Frontiersman, for example. What is something that, if you think of a Frontiersman, you think of Teddy Roosevelt, and you put yourself in his shoes, what do you, uh, what do you think he's feeling and experiencing right there in that moment. You know, he can smell the juniper berries in the trees or he can smell the soft smell of the wheat growing in the plain somewhere, or the wildflowers, the smell of the, the trees on a warm day when the breeze comes through there. You know, I look at those things and I try to put myself in the shoes of that one, of that one, that man standing there on the frontier, completely unknown of what's in front of him. And I try to put myself right there in his shoes and think about what it is that he's fully feeling and experiencing in that particular moment. What do I imagine that would be like? And then I go through there and until I have, you know, I have this imagined smell in my head and I just get to work with the sense and I try to figure out what goes with what, what doesn't, how much of each until what I create with my hands matches that imagined scent in my head. You know, it's, 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 I don't know. It's a really weird process and it's almost, uh, I don't know. It's almost like imagining something into reality. You know, I try to, again, it, it, I sit there and I try to put myself in the shoes of the one who's going to be standing there with my Timberline pack, the body wash, the beard wash, and the beard conditioner. You know, it smells like 
the mountain air as soon as you open up your tent after camping all night. You wake up and you can, you have that rush of the pine and the cedar and the oak and the river down below and the mud. But all that mixed together smells fantastic. It smells like outside. It smells like a mountain. And so that's what I do. I just go through each of the scents and uh, I just experiment until whatever I've created in the little vial matches exactly what was in my head. And so it's a tedious process. Sometimes I can't get it right and sometimes I'll scrap it. But that's what I do. And that's really the only way I can uh, describe the process of doing that. <laughs> but I'm going to keep these short. Each of the Q&A podcasts are going to be roughly 30 minutes long. So if you want your question asked on the next one, uh, you can find me on Twitter at rugged underscore legacy. You can shoot me a DM. Those are always open. Uh, you can uh, just contact me out right on Twitter in the timelines, man, and ask me anything. Give me the idea you want, or just tell me you want it answered on the podcast. And uh, I'll take them all each, each week. Uh, I'll do two weeks worth of questions, combine them all and see how many I can answer uh, in the half hour that I have. But that's going to wrap this one up. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you all for supporting the Rugged Legacy podcast. Uh, if you want to support, you can go to anchor.fm slash Rugged Legacy. And like I said, this one wraps up the very first Q&A episode of the Rugged Legacy podcast. You guys have a good one. Everyone wants to rise from the ashes, but very few are willing to set themselves on fire. This has been a Rugged Legacy production.